0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Kintsugi Life podcast, with me, Toby Hazelwood. In this episode, I want to talk about how we go about preparing for things and how we'll look to prepare for the future, particularly as we reflect on the current COVID-19 crisis that's ongoing. So how will we prepare for the future, preparing ourselves socially, emotionally, materially and financially for whatever may be ahead? Be prepared, so goes the motto of the scouting movement. It's an instruction I've thought about a lot in recent days, as I'm sure we all have. Is preparedness even possible when confronted by circumstances such as those we're currently facing? I doubt it somehow. Every third question at the Prime Minister's daily briefing here in the UK amounts to questioning the government's preparedness. Why wasn't our country more prepared to react to a global pandemic? Could our health service have been better prepared to respond to the unprecedented demand Why didn't we have better stocks of the essential equipment that now seems lacking? Everyone shuffling around the supermarket, observing socially distanced shopping and buying food and supplies for their family, hopes to prepare for the immediate future. They hope to prepare for whatever may come, grabbing a few extra items just in case they need need them and can't get out again. Our financial futures suddenly seem uncertain too. We question whether we could have been more prepared for times of austerity, or a sudden loss of income. Will the stock markets and the value of our retirement funds ever recover? We regret past impulse purchases or indulgences that now seem pointless. Maybe we should have put some money aside for times like this. Yet, who could have foreseen so many losing their jobs and their incomes so quickly? The future is uncertain, and at some point we will return to a state of normality albeit one that potentially looks significantly different to our recent past. When that time comes, I wonder how we'll go about preparing better for the future. With the, emergency, with the emergence of coronaviruses such as SARS, MERS and now COVID-19, it suggests that things are about, these things are about to become a regular occurrence. And I'm not talking merely about preparing better for future pandemics. Instead, I'm wondering how the way I live will be influenced by what's learned, what I've learned in the last few weeks. So here's how I'm thinking about preparation. Financial preparation. You don't have to delve too far through my past articles and past podcasts I've recorded, but I've not always been the best at managing money. As the pandemic plays out, I'm counting my blessings daily for many things. In relation to my work and my income, I'm fortunate that that I'm already an established home worker and thus far I've been able to carry on working and earning without disruption. I'm counting my blessings for having made the switch between self-employed freelance work to become a salaried employee with paid sick leave, a change that I made in December last year. I'm grateful that my wife and I made a number of financial decisions in the last 18 months that meant when COVID-19 struck. We were largely debt-free and had a small buffer of savings accumulated for the first time in many years. I know of many people who have been immediately thrown into horrendous circumstances where they can't pay their bills, feed themselves and their family, and where their income looks to be lost, possibly for good. The same is true for employees, the self-employed and small business owners alike. What's been proven as truth is just how many people are just one paycheck away from financial ruin. I feel deeply for them all. My focus now and going forwards will be to have as much money stashed away for uncertain times and to provide for the future for me and my family as possible. I'd reached this realisation already as it happens, but I'm ever more convinced and committed to enacting the intention than ever. The scale of government bailouts in the UK, and more widely, cannot possibly be repeated on a regular basis, and I'm already fearful that the global economy following COVID-19 will be a completely different beast than existed before. More than ever before, I recognise money as a tool to provide my family and me with a quality of life, not merely a means of accumulating more and more consumer junk. Since entering lockdown, I've recognised the things that are most impactful on my happiness are those that have real utility and which are used daily. Walking boots and a good coat for my daily hike in the countryside. Exercise equipment for working up a sweat in the garage. Comfortable clothes, my laptop and a strong internet connection so I can work books to read, and music to listen to, food for my family, and a roof over our heads. That represents a lot, I know. Beyond that list, though, there's very little I actually need to live happily and healthily. In future, I'll have a hard time convincing myself of the point of spending money on things that don't serve a similar purpose, or which don't enhance my life in a significant way. Emotional Preparation The knock-on effects for mental health of the virus and the accompanying social distancing seem as daunting and potentially damaging as the virus itself. We're all living with the same fear of some sort, be that of getting sick, of losing those we love, or a fear of missing out on the things we used to do. We're all thrust into this strange new way of life from different starting points. How we adapt to the new world order will depend on what we're used to. I'm already an established home worker, as I've said, and I can't help but wonder why others are making such a fuss about having to do so. The answer, of course, is that the peaceful isolation I treasure, and which seems normal to me, is uncomfortable and isolating to those who need the company and the buzz of an office. Those who thrive on the pulse of life in a bustling city will be thrown by the sudden lack of traffic noise and the abandoned streets. Someone who lives in the countryside will barely notice the difference, however. Our emotional preparedness all depends on what we're conditioned to handle, and how flexible we can be when forced to change. An ongoing practice of meditation over the last few years has helped me to calm my racing mind. I've not always found it easy to rationalise my thoughts, but I'm less reactive to them than I used to be. The practice of mindfulness has been an essential part of the toolkit for emotionally adapting to what the future will bring. I'm also ever more convinced of the benefit of being equally comfortable alone or in the company of others as a vital mix of skills. My one gripe about lockdown is that I've lost the time I used to spend completely alone, when my wife was at work and the kids were at school. A new balance will be found of course, but it brings home to me that time spent alone, completely alone, is something that I not only cope with, but I thrive upon. It makes me a better husband, father, relative, friend and employee and it enriches my relationships, rather than making me standoffish or reclusive. That's a trait I'll be nurturing in the future to ensure I remain as resilient and as strong as possible individually, so that I can then be there for others too. Emotional preparation will follow from that. Social Preparation Ours is a somewhat complex blended family structure, and has necessitated some tough decisions over who would isolate where. My daughters from my first marriage are currently in lockdown with their mum, a couple of hours' drive away from me. I'm with my stepwife, with my wife, sorry, and my stepkids in our family home. They won't see their dad for the foreseeable future. This has all been agreed by all parents as the right thing to do, but it's still difficult. We can all video call each other, and do frequently, but that's a poor substitute for visiting in person and giving someone a hug. We've cancelled plans with my parents and sister, who live a few hours away who I've not seen since Christmas. My mum's 70th birthday celebrations were postponed by lockdown, and many other events have fallen by the wayside too. We live a mile or so from my wife's parents, but my father-in-law is having chemotherapy, and with his immune system weakened and compromised, we have to limit contact with them as well. With less than a full week of isolation done at the point I record this, we all feel pretty optimistic in the face of more of the same, but I've no doubt that tempers will fray at some point We all yearn for more contact with a diverse range of people, wider family, friends and co-workers. Their company was a recurring feature of daily life in the not-too-distant past, and of course it will be again. I resolve that in future I'll be less inclined to postpone family visits or delay social arrangements unless there's a really good reason to do so. COVID-19 has demonstrated that unforeseen circumstances can strike without warning and have devastating effects in disrupting plans when they do. I'll never again take for granted being able to meet a friend for coffee. I'll make more effort to visit with my family near and far whenever the opportunity presents itself. I'll ensure I see friends as often as I possibly can. Social preparation will mean that should restrictions be applied again, I'll have no regrets about the way I could have made more use of my time with the people I care about. Material preparation. When I sat down to record this, I was determined I wouldn't talk about toilet paper. And that remains my intent. Nonetheless, there do seem to be some lessons to be learned from the current situation regarding what can be done to be better prepared for the future in the event of shortages of food or supplies. I'm not about to start hoarding canned goods, nor do I intend to turn over our garden to a vegetable patch. We've been lucky that while supermarket shopping has been occasionally problematic, we've never had to go short of food or supplies that we're used to having. Even so, as a family, we've focused a lot more on planning meals, making good use of what we have available to us, and minimising waste. It feels good to know that we've got just enough, and that sense applies to cooking meals that satisfy us all, but don't leave us groaning in discomfort for having overeaten. It's also been a useful opportunity to encourage the kids that they shouldn't waste food at mealtimes, and then expect snacks later. As a household we're getting better at realising that the need and greed aren't synonymous. The other lesson has been to realise that we all have way too much clutter and excessive possessions in our home. It took a full morning to tidy out our garage such that we could locate exercise equipment and then make use of it in the coming days and weeks. When we eventually made space to use the freezer in the garage and powered it up, it turned out that it no longer worked. Such experiences have offered a useful reminder that everything around us should have a useful purpose, such that it, shouldn't either be, it should either be useful to us, maintained and well used regularly, and if these conditions aren't true, it should be gotten rid of. We cling on to too many possessions out of sentiment, fear of letting them go, or merely to feel the comfort of accumulation. The best test of the worth of anything we have around us comes at times like this. If it's going to be useful, or serve its purpose, that will be when we're confined to quarters for the foreseeable future. The lesson learned in preparing for the future? will be clearing out a whole lot of stuff that will never be useful to us. By hanging on to it, we're cluttering our lives needlessly, and potentially obscuring from sight the things we might actually use and need. Decluttering will make space for the right things, that support us living a healthy and happy life. The rest of it can be donated to others who make better use of it. Preparation and planning have their place in many aspects of life. The last few weeks have highlighted many ways in which governments, businesses, individuals and even entire nations were woefully unprepared for what was to come when coronavirus began to spread. In months to come there will be reviews and inquiries at every level to figure out what could have been done better. Resolutions will be made to ensure that the same thing, if it were to happen again, will have less of an impact. Some of these resolutions will be enacted and others will probably be forgotten as the years pass. I'm certain that we're not through the worst that COVID-19 will bring and as I read this on a sunny Monday afternoon in April, there are further lessons yet to be learned. What I'm certain of is that individually and as part of my family and my community there will be lessons from COVID-19 which shape how I live in my, the future. If these lessons help me to be better prepared for whatever the future may bring, then that can surely only be a good thing. So I encourage you to think about how you can prepare for events in the future, not just COVID-19 related, but you know more generally, how can you be better prepared to live a better life and what lessons can you take forward from the current situation? So I hope this has been useful, and if you feel it is, then maybe you'll leave a positive comment or share this with someone who you think might benefit. And in the meantime, this is Toby with Kintsugi Life saying goodbye. You've been listening to the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. You can email me on toby at tobyhazelwood.com. I'd love to hear your feedback, I'd love for you to leave me a positive review if you feel unworthy of one, and I'd also love for you to share this with anyone else who you think might benefit from the content. Until next time, this is Toby Hazelwood saying goodbye.